Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of What's the Word with Willette. Well, today, like I said, I'm covering a series with COVID-19. So today I have my very good friend, uh, Miss Juanika Vance Clark on. She is an extraordinary woman, a woman of God, and I'm very excited that she is on the show with us today. Um, She has her own school in Chicago. She will be discussing that and speaking on that and the elements and principles and techniques that she uses with her children. I can attest to them. I've used them with my son. He's three years old and he's done amazing just with the little bit that she's been able to give us. So she has so much to offer. So again, we have Miss Vance. So Thank you. Thank you. And welcome again to What's the Word with Willette. Um, if you can, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into education. Well, um, like she said, I'm Juanica Vance Clark. I am a administrator, a founder, an author, um, and I've got, I got into elementary education in college, I want. I knew I always wanted to work with children from a young age. I always came home. I always teach my cousins and my friends. And so that was something that I was passionate about. So I knew that was what I wanted to do. But what really drove me was when I was in college, I worked with a group of first graders and they were phenomenal. And when I came back home, um, I realized that the students weren't on the same level. So when I first started my first teaching job, I actually worked with first graders and I gave them chapter books. And I'm like, I'm gun ho, let's do it. And they said, Miss Vance, we can't read. And I'm like, wait, you can't read. Why can't you read? Um, because I was so used to working with the children in Mississippi. And then my thing was, well, Mississippi is supposed to be behind Chicago, so why can't these children read? So it changed my whole perspective, and it made me teach to a higher degree because I wanted to ensure that all children had the tools to be successful and that they had access to a quality education. Awesome, awesome. Uh, It sounds like you've had a call on your life from day one uh, with teaching and just working with children. Um, What made you start your own school? Tell us the name of your school and just tell us a little bit about that and what made you want to start your own school. Okay, well, the name of my school is Foundations for Advancement. Um, And my goal was to give all children a foundation that they would be able to advance throughout life with. And so I wanted to start a school because I... In the public school system, your hands are so tied. Mm-hmm. Everything is so political. Mm-hmm. It's only so much that you can actually in, input into the students. Um, I was lucky enough when I started teaching and throughout my teaching career in the public school system that the administrators that I had, they did allow me to teach at my own level, at my own pace, and use the curriculum that I wanted. But I wanted to be able to reach not only the children, but their families. And so my goal was to start a, a facility where I could help families actually build legacies of excellence, where I could give them access to quality education, no matter what social economic background they came from, and where I could ensure that all children were at least one to two grade levels above their current age level, and that they were able to be successful, and that they could compete academically against the best of the best. Awesome, awesome. Legacies of excellence. I love that. So, Building on that, um, can you tell us about uh, your like your principles foundations um, for your school um, and your students? Like, what what difference do you want to see them make? Um, well, first and foremost, 
we are family based. Mm-hmm. We are Christian based. Mm-hmm. So we do not push a religion on our student body. However, we do stand on the Christian values and principles and our families know that coming in, but we are very family oriented. We want our families to be successful. And so what with that legacy, a legacy is something that goes on for generations. And so what our goal is every student who walks into our building, we're teaching them how to start their own businesses. We're teaching them how to um, have financial literacy. We're also educating the parents. We teach them about credit score. We educate our parents on building better credit. We also encourage them to start their own businesses. We offer discounts to families who are if the parent is currently in school or they have a college degree, they get a discount um, from their tuition. If they are business owners, they get a discount from their tuition. So we're really pushing things that will actually set their families up for success later on in life. Uh, one of the programs that we started implementing in our program is when the children enroll, they actually get their very own business. So we help them start their business from day one. And then we also have a grow with me plan where when your child enrolls, we open up a savings account and every year, every time they get a report card, every A and every B, they get money because we want them to know that hard work pays off. And the goal for that grow up plan is once they graduate out of our program, they can always bring their report cards back. And if they volunteer 10 hours, we'll constantly put money into that account until they graduate from high school. And at their high school graduation, we'll cut them a check for everything that they've that they've accumulated throughout the years because we really want to push that hard work pays off. We want to get their parents involved in it and we want them to know that this is not just a place where they drop off their children but this is a place where we're going to build the whole child up. We're going to build the family up and we're going to give them the tools and the access to be successful. That's what I was just getting ready to say. You can tell this is not one of those buildings where you just drop them off and keep going. You actually um, for lack of but you you and I don't like using the word force, but you make the parents get involved. Like these are your kids. This is a family oriented environment and you make them feel welcome and not feel less than because I do know just for speaking to some parents, cause I'm in education as well. You know, a lot of parents feel like they don't have the know how of the education system to even speak to a lot of things that go on in the education system. You mentioned politics earlier and there are a lot of politics, there are politics in every job and it really, seems like you know with your school you know you do away with that you just really want to help the child help the family because if you do that you make the community grow as well so that's awesome yeah, we, we really try to push to the parents that you are the first and you're the most important educator. We're here to support you but we're not here to do the job. So we actually give our parents, um, we teach them how to be successful in educating their children. So we provide them with those tools, but we keep them in the forefront and make sure that they're the first and most important educator. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. I want you to speak on some of the techniques that you use with your students and the ages that you work with. Um, the, the And I don't want to take away from your answer, but one of the things I just love and that is so true is the gestures. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I was dealing with uh, my son today and we were going over some sight words, just calling out the words. It just it does not click to him. But when he got to can, can play he did the gesture so I said this thing works so talk to us a little bit about that some of the successes that you have seen with your students and uh, with some of the techniques that you've used 
Um, one, well, to piggyback off of what you said, the gestures. So what I did was come up with my very own gestures. They, a lot of people, when they see them firsthand, they think we're doing sign language. But they're just random gestures that I've come up with to help the child um, learn letter sounds, learn sight words. And what it is, is actually um, a motion or a movement that the child can associate to a color, a word, a letter, a sound. And then it, what it does is actually makes their brain work three times harder because they have to remember the gesture, associate the gesture to the word or the sound, and then produce that word out of their mouth. Because as we all know, the brain is a muscle. And so my goal behind my gestures is to ensure that we're making muscle memory. And so if you have ever been an athlete or you've ever worked out, you know the importance of getting your muscles to remember, remember what it felt like. So if I, if you ran the 400 before, we know the first time you run it, it, it absolutely hurts. But the more you run it and the more you go out hard, the more your body is able to do it. And so that's the same thing when it comes to our learning gestures. I tell the parents, the first couple of days, weeks, is going to be harder for the child, but after a while, it gets easier. And then later, you can start taking those gestures away. So we try what I do, anything I'm teaching a child. So we have some three-year-olds, some four-year-olds who are doing multiplication, long division, short division, um, fractions. So we really teach them outside of the box. We're very untraditional. But I always tell parents the, the key is watering whatever the skill is down so that anybody can get it. So, I, for instance, I always tell parents, if I came to you with college trig and I just said some random stuff to you and expected you to be able to do it, you would think something was wrong with me. That's the same thing with a child. Everything is college trick to them. So you water it all the way down so that every child can understand it. So even when I'm teaching ch children how to do multiplication facts, it's as simple as if I want them to learn their, their 10 facts, I teach them how to count by 10 first. And so if I say 10 times five, they put up five fingers, they count by tens, and now they have their answer. So then we go to the fives, the twos, the nines, the elevens. And that way, they're not just memorizing the multiplication facts, but they actually have tools that they can use so that they can find their answer on their own. Now with that, <clears throat> do you offer, and I'm getting a little ahead here, but do you offer like lessons online on with things like that with how to like if parents are interested in kind of learning your style and what you do if they're not in state and can't attend your school? Do you offer things online for parents? Yes, we offer um, parent, parenting classes where I can actually break down a lesson for a parent. So if a parent is struggling in a certain area or if they have a need in a certain area, we do lives um, via Zoom, via Facebook Messenger, FaceTime, but we do lives. So if a parent called me and I had a parent last week call her child is in kindergarten, but she's struggling with addition. So we did a Facebook live uh, um a Facebook Messenger meeting. And all I did, I went over the skills. The parent told me what skills their child struggled in. And then I taught the lesson in front of the parent and gave them some skill sets that they can use, as well as some vocabulary. What's very important is when we're teaching our children, we need to use that as a teachable moment to implement the vocabulary. Because a lot of times our children struggle with comprehension later, 
but it's because they have a lack of vocabulary. So you want to use everything as a teachable moment. So I do teach the parents right then and there while I'm tutoring the child. And then after we're finished with the tutoring lesson, then me and the parent can talk one-on-one where I give them more pointers that they can utilize when working with their children. Okay. Is that your tutoring spa? Yes, that's through our tutoring spot. Okay, awesome, awesome. So with everything going on with the lockdown and with COVID-19, for the parent that is overwhelmed trying to figure out how to homeschool their child during this time, what do you say to that parent? First and foremost, I tell the parents, if you have a lesson where you're, I see a lot of people, especially on social media, Everybody wants to put up all the pretty little schedules. I mean, they're from nine o'clock to five o'clock. And I tell parents, let's be realistic. Realistically, you're not doing it. I, as an educator, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to play the role. Mm -hmm. All we need to do is make sure we're being meaningful with our child. We want to meaningfully educate our children. Mm -hmm. So what I suggest to parents Depending on your child's age, your child's age determines their attention span. So if you have a five-year-old, you have five minutes worth of attention span. That's it. So if you're sitting there and you're telling me you're working from nine to three o'clock, you're not. Because they have five minutes. Mm -hmm. So what I tell parents, I want you to dedicate one hour a day, max. And that's max. So that's really pushing it. But if you can dedicate one hour a day for your child, what you're going to do. So if my child is five, my daughter's five, we have five minutes. So I'm going to do a small lesson for five minutes. And then we're going to do a brain break because the brain needs time to process the information to receive oxygen and blood flow so that it can take in what you just taught your child. Because a lot of times we sit there and we go back and forth with our children. And at the end of the day, they still haven't caught onto the skill set that we want them to catch onto. So you're going to take that hour. You're going to break it down into five, five minutes worth of learning. And then we're going to do a five, we can do five, 10 or 30 minute brain break, depending on your family and your schedule. A brain break is anything that takes them away, whether it's them doing some exercises, them reading a book, them uh, going to play on their games, them doing hide and seek. Anything that takes them away from what you're actually teaching at that moment is a brain break. So you're going to do five minutes, then a brain break, five minutes. But at the end of the day, you want your five minutes to add up to one hour. Awesome. And I was kind of discussing that with my husband. I was like, I don't think that with a lot of things that we are doing with the kids, like you can do more than 45 minutes to an hour. So then I was wondering, well, how does that work in school? But what I'm thinking in school is they try to do the same thing and then do reinforcements later on, which is why, you know, you have the long day. And of course you have the specials and lunch and different things like that. So I feel like it can pretty much equate to the same thing. And I think when you word it the way you do it, that takes a lot of the pressure off. So with that, what would be a typical schedule for a parent to use at home? Typically, I, like I said, me, myself, my five-year-old, we're not up at nine. We're not up at 10. Like if most of the time we will start our educational day about 11 o'clock and it might go to two o'clock, but we're not working from 11 to two. Sure. We're going to start off. We might use, um, I have her doing uh, a website called happy numbers. So we might go on there and that's a math site and she'll do it for a couple minutes. 
seeing that that is an activity and it's turned into a game, it can be learned within five minutes because it's going to keep her attention longer than five minutes. So I might do 20 minutes on there. But when I see she's getting restless, okay, we're going to go away and we're going to do a brain break. Later on in the day, we do, I have her read me a story and I have her, I ask her comprehension questions. Okay, she's going to read the story, she's going to answer, and then we're going to do another brain break. Then I say, okay, we're going to have some writing time. So I need you to write me seven sentences on this topic. She'll go, she'll write the sentences, draw her picture, bring it back. Now, each parent knows their children. Your children is di are different. Your child might not sit in one setting and do seven sentences. That's totally fine. Then we're going to do two sentences. You're going to get a short brain break, and then you'll come back and do two sentences and a short brain break. You have to work with your child's strengths and not against their strengths, okay? So you don't want to just put so much pressure on them where they're not able to perform to, top, to their top ability. And parents should use this time definitely to build their child's self-esteem up because a lot of times our children struggle due to the lack of self-esteem or the lack of self-confidence. They don't, they're not confident in their skill sets. So as they're at home, this is a prime time to build their self-confidence because it's not a classroom full of 20, 30 students. And so you have one-on-one, -on -one, one or two on one or three, but you have a smaller group that you can work with and you can see where the deficiency is in your child and use that to build them up for the next school year. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit. When you say, like, when you see the deficiencies in your child, like, say for, so like my daughter, um, she she will not write on the line. We try to get her to write her name on the line, and she she will not do it. Now, we're just going to keep working with her, but working with her blindly, just kind of keep telling her right above the line, right above the line. I told my husband, I said, we got to research another way to try to figure that out. What do you do with that child when you are trying to figure out is it going to the internet or is it going to the specialist like you and saying hey this is happening and kind of bouncing some ideas off of one another i think it's all about trying new things mm -hmm. so one thing that i would do with that not writing on the line maybe take a yellow mark or yellow crayon and highlight that line okay or you take since it's two lines if it's the paper with the two lines and the dots in the middle then you might have um do one line the top line green and the bottom line red. And so then you can do the dots in the middle yellow. So you're gonna tell her they start at the green and you're gonna stop when you get to the red. You're not going under the red. You have to start by the green and you can go all the way to the red, but you can't go under the red. Just different techniques because you have to see where the child's strength is. And a lot of things that we have to remember also as parents of young children is everything is not developmentally appropriate for them at the time. So just because she's not writing on the line properly now does not mean by next year she won't be because the younger they are, some things just aren't developmentally appropriate for them. My son, I can remember he was in kindergarten, five years old. He was a straight A student. I and he would go to first grade for reading and for spelling. Straight A student. We would study his spelling words every day and up into the second that he was about to go to the class to take his test. And he failed every spelling test. Every spelling test. But the following year when he was actually in first grade, we never studied for a test and he he got straight A's on all of them. It just wasn't his time. It wasn't developmentally, he wasn't developmentally ready. And so what we as parents, we do, we get frustrated and we think something's wrong with our children when actually 
might not be anything wrong is they're just not developedly there yet so i would take away like i said you can do the lines in different colors you can also do let's do it off of the paper let's try it with some chalk let's try it on a dry erase board let you don't want to just use paper 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 try other ways of using it and then if it's still not working invest your brain and say hey maybe it's just not time maybe she just can't get it yet we'll try it again in a month and so with that it seems like like what you said with your son, you laid a foundation and then the following year you just said, hey, we're not going to study for the test. And he did fine. So do you believe it's because that foundation was laid? I, I actually believe it was because he was he was five and what I, what he was doing, he was going to the first grade class. So it really wasn't he wasn't at that level developmentally. And for some reason, it, it didn't matter how much we studied because we studied every day, even right before the test. He just couldn't do it. And it's just some things our children just won't be able to do. And then when it's their right time, they'll do it. And what parents have to remember, because what I see a lot of parents doing, they compare their children. Well, he was able to do it. So why can't she do it? Like my daughter, if I compare my daughter and son, my daughter, she's spelling. She's getting it. And she's fine just like her brother, but she's getting it, but he couldn't get it. But when it was his time, it came naturally. And what we have to do is allow things to just come naturally for our children. If we use accountable talk, if we use everything as a teachable moment, we're giving them the skill set and the foundation they need. And at their time, just like the butterfly, they're going to be able to do it. All right. What are, What do you believe are some rapid old, reputable places um, or websites for parents to use for resources for their children, being as though we're limited um, with going anywhere at this time, like for school or say if they're looking for sites for fun, like maybe to incorporate art, PE or music or something like that. Um, I think Facebook is very good, especially if you can get on any of the teacher sites or um, homeschooling sites everybody is posting so many websites and so and the good thing about now there are so many live things going on so if your child is into dance they're offering live dance classes they're offering live art classes everything is on social media at this time so i would definitely even myself as a parent i take advantage of all the things that are going on and if you get in if you join several groups online then you can get all those resources because they're all out there now okay awesome uh what are some readiness skills preschool students should have before they start kindergarten first and foremost making sure that your child knows their proper name okay because a lot of times children get in school and you say what's your name my name man man my name little mama no no it is very, very important that they know their first and their last names, that they know their parents' first and last names. Those are top. If you don't have anything else in place, let's make sure that they know who they are and who their parents are. Um, because I, I have several students who come in and they're like, little mama, ma'am. I'm like, no, but what's your name? So that's first. I would also make sure that your children, you're introducing them to their colors to their letters. Um, remember, kindergarten is the new first grade. What we learned in kindergarten, 
it doesn't matter anymore. They're not doing that. So most parents, when we were growing up, you started learning when you entered school. If your child is not learn, has not started learning prior to kindergarten, they are already, they're already behind. In a typical kindergarten classroom, there's a five-year-old learning gap, a five-year learning gap. Some children enter around a three-year-old level and some as high as an eight-year-old level. So there's already a five-year-old, a five-year learning gap inside any kindergarten class. So the goal is to get your child at least at grade level. You want them to at least be on a five-year-old level. Um, and that's pencil holding skills. Teach them how to properly hold their pencil. Uh, you want to teach them how to properly hold scissors, cut on a straight line, a dotted line. These are certain things that you can just do at home. You want to at least, I, I've had kindergartners come in who have not, who can't even sing the ABCs. We want them to sing them, not only sing them, but be able to say them. You want them, so exposure is definitely the key. I, I, I tell every parent that I come in contact with, learning should it should be learned as you play. So let's make it fun. So you're not you don't have to sit at the table with them, but you're gonna communicate. So if I want my child to learn colors, every time I want them to get something, I'm gonna name it a color. I need you to go get your black jacket. I need you to get your pink shoes. I need you to get your red ball. Because now they're associating that item with the color. You can play I spy when you're driving in the car. I spy a red car, have them look for it. You're teaching them colors. When it comes to um, vocabulary, oh, let them put up the groceries with the, the canned goods and say the name and have them look at the labels. Anything, it does not have to be traditional school, but the more vocabulary and the more exposure you get them, the more ready they will be for kindergarten. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I felt like I had another question about the readiness with kindergarten. Um, oh, yes. Thank you. What, what do you think about uh, some of the assessments that they use for the readiness for kindergarten? Do you think they're, I don't want to say a bias, but do you think that? They are. They're very okay. biased. Um, mm-hmm. The vocabulary is, bi- is biased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as a a kindergarten teacher being in the public school prior to there are some things that minorities might not say and in the test they expect you to read it how it is presented in the test however if i've never called the lunchroom a cafeteria i won't know what you're talking about and so it is very vital, especially for minorities, to expose their children to vocabulary because a child should know here about 30,000 words a day. And people say, wow, that's a lot. But if you're holding conversations with them, you can't say, Johnny, go sit over there. Go on, boy. You have to actually hold conversations because they should be building their vocabulary on a daily basis because from low income to middle income, there is such a wide range of vocabulary gap. So most of our students struggle when it comes to standardized testing, not because they're inadequate or not because they can't they have poor testing skills. It's because of the vocabulary. They don't understand the vocabulary. So if I say what is greater than, and I never knew what greater than was, I just know that means he has more then we're, we're giving them injustice. So it is very important that you're expo- 
exposing them to different vocabulary for the same thing. Like I said, lunchroom and cafeteria. They need to know a lunchroom is a cafeteria. A cafeteria is a lunchroom. They need to be able to utilize this because when they're taking the test, it is expected that the person giving the test is just going to read straight from the book. And they're not supposed to deviate and say, you know, the cafeteria or you see the kids who are going to the lunchroom. They're not supposed to deviate. So then it's it's set up where the child with the who has a lack of vocabulary is suffering. Mm. Well, and and so continuing to speak to that point, what do you say to the parent who has a child with special needs who does feel like that a lot of times? Um, I do have a daughter with special needs. I do. I was able to really take to heart some of the things that you were saying. I do feel like I'm sometimes can be a little tough with her because I feel like the world's not going to, you know, give her all these chances. So she needs to be able to get it. But at the same time, I have to be her mother and love her and help her, which I do. But, you know, it's like, where's that fine line, you know, trying to make them help them to be able to say, hey, you need to know this. You got to be able to know this to move on to the next level, the next grade, the next skill set. But at the same time, not making it to where it's so overwhelming for them. I think that's where it comes to you water it down, give it spoon feed them at their level until you build their confidence level. And the more you build their confidence level, the more they'll be able to achieve. But then it's also very important that you make sure that you get every resource that is available. Make sure that the school system will get by if they can. Um, There are a lot of times that they will put in an IEP that they're providing these services and this amount of time. And unfortunately, there are a lot of schools who are not providing that. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, you're, you're your child's first advocate. So you need to follow up. You need to do drop-ins. You need to ask questions. You want to make sure whatever they're putting on paper, because remember, your child's style follows them for the rest of their lives. So whatever they're putting on paper that they are providing for your child, hold them accountable to ensure that they are providing those services for your children. And if they are providing those services and your child is still struggling, then you need to go back to war because you need more services. And you want to make sure that everything that your child needs is in place for them. And then you do your part at home where you're making sure it's watered down enough for them to get it. Because all they need really is to get that foundation. So every child is not going to learn it how the other child learned it. But if you can get them to get that foundation, we're going to see growth continuously. It doesn't matter what level they're on, but if you can get them to get it at their level, you can build, you can always build from there. Awesome. Awesome. Any remaining points you want to try to give for someone that is, um, again, homeschooling their child and just feeling overwhelmed to close this out? Well, what I would tell parents, use this time as family time, as time to build legacies. Don't use this, don't get overwhelmed in everything that's going on. You want to use this time to teach your child life skills. This is a time you can teach them how to properly wash a dish, make a bed. Remember, education is not just academics. You want to prepare them for life in general. This is a perfect time to open a savings account for your child and teach them the importance because if you haven't saved up and you're going through this situation right now, you're really struggling. So you want to use this as a teachable moment, not just academics, but life skills, um, financial literacy, 
take this time to actually come together as a family and come up with a business plan on what business as a family you can start that you can carry on for generations. But I would just suggest taking the load off, reducing your schedule, your daily schedule, using it for family time and to build your family's legacy. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for being on the show. Um, tell us how we can find you on social media, um, all social media platforms and tell us your website and about your books. And just tell us, tell us, tell us. <laughs> OK, well, I'm on Facebook and it's Foundations for Advancement. It's the number four instead of the word Foundations for Advancement. We're on Instagram. And we're just F as in Frank, the number four advance, F for advance on Instagram. We have a website, which is advancementlearning.com. That there's where you can find all of our workbooks, our educational games, our learning binders, anything that we've created, you can find them there. That's advancementlearning.com. We also have a store where we sell nothing but educational toys and they're broken down by grade, by age level. We have a lifetime warranty. So if anything breaks or if a tool is missing and it needs to be replaced, we'll do that. That's at discoverytoys.com backslash advancementlearning. discoverytoys.com dot com backslash advancement learning and then last but not least our school website is f as in frank the number four advance.com thank you thank you miss vance clark thank you thank you thank you thank you for having me so everyone until next time I will be seeing you. And remember, we cover everyday topics with everyday people. Until next time, y'all.